0: You're listening to Mornings with Eric
1: and Bridget right here on Moody Radio 89.3. Well, back in 2020, Dr. Erwin Lutzer released a book, We Will Not Be Silenced, about Christians navigating today's hostile secularism. Now he's out with a brand new resource. Just two years later, No Reason to Hide. He says it really is a rallying reminder that will ready us everywhere to have the courage to proclaim Scripture's truth. We're talking with Dr. Erwin Lutzer Today, not only author of this resource, but Pastor Emeritus of the Moody Church. Dr. Lutzer, thanks so much for joining us.
2: I'm so glad to be with you today. And of course, we're going to reference the book, but also I want to extend my appreciation to you folks. We've been partners for many, many years, and I thank God for the ministry of radio.
0: Mm, absolutely. You know, um, Bridget just mentioned the book from twenty 20- 20. We will not be silenced. And then you've got this book now that they seem very similar, but they can have some kind of a difference. One is about silence. One is about hiding. But what made this book important after the one that you wrote just a couple years ago?
2: Well, you know, it does cover some of the same topics, but very differently. And the book that we're talking about now, No Reason to Hide, does have much new material For example, it discusses such things as the triumph of the self in America. It talks about issues regarding uh, racism, two chapters devoted to that, by the way, and shows why diversity, equity, and inclusion actually works against us rather than for us. So what I did is I looked at the range of issues that the Church faces today, the cancel culture, of course. The whole business of um, cultural demonization of those who disagree, how that works. A chapter on um, such things as propaganda and transgenderism. What I want to do is to try to help parents to understand what to do if a child comes home and says, you know, I think I'm trans. How do parents relate to that? What's going on? And then education in the children. So to summarize, what I did is I looked at the range of issues that the church faces today and said, um, I would like to discuss to help all of us think through how we should respond to our collapsing culture. By the way, the last chapter has to do with the whole idea, Eric, of rethinking The way in which we view suffering today, you know, we need to rethink that as Americans. We think that if the church were always what it should be, we wouldn't have to suffer for Christ. Well, that's not the way it's been historically. And in the New Testament, I give seven or eight statements helping us to rethink the role of suffering for Christ,
1: mm-hmm. because even more and more we are seeing that holding biblical truth puts you at odds with what the culture is saying, and oftentimes believers are targeted for holding biblical truth. Is that the case? And is that what you are warning believers today to kind of ready themselves to uh, be courageous, so that we we don't we don't lose um, the battle that we are in that spiritual battle.
2: You know, you're absolutely right, Bridget. And always we need to remind ourselves that we did not go looking for this culture war. The culture war has come to us. It's being imposed upon us, and we cannot avoid it. We can't hide. We can't uh, say to ourselves, well, I'll just have nothing to do with it and stay in my corner. For example, a teacher in the public school system here in Illinois told me that he was told it is not enough for you to simply you know be silent and uh about same-sex marriage and tolerate it if you don't celebrate it you could lose your job well that for him is a line in the sand he didn't ask for that battle that battle comes to him so christians need to understand that you know the businessman who is asked to sign a diversity statement, which is, of course, to promote the LGBTQ community. By the way, I tell the story of two women who worked in a store for 20 years with integrity, but they would not wear a rainbow LGBTQ pin on their lapel, and they were fired. In other words, we're living in a day when you can't hold your view, and I hold mine, and we move on. Unless you have loud enthusiasm for the woke culture, you could lose your job. So we're in a new era, and those are the kinds of issues that I discuss in the book um, that we're talking about, No Reason to Hide.
0: Again, the book is No Reason to Hide by Pastor Erwin Lutzer. And chapter three, I think, is so important as we go through this book. And it talks about a lie. I keep telling my family, we follow the way, the truth, and the life. We have to follow that truth. And there are lies all around us. You say it's as simple as this. Live by your own truth, and you can be whatever you want to be. That's the lie. Can you talk to us about that just a little
2: bit? That that statement has two different parts to it. First of all, live by your own truth, as if to say, do you know that in the book I give an example of uh, a university, Princeton, I think it is, where they are actually told that if you believe that mathematics has only one right answer, you're a racist. We have to understand that we're living in an era in which um, uh, things are absurd, but absurdity is no longer an argument against anything. So you live by your own truth, really. So you have your truth, I have my truth. We go to the bank, we want to uh, take out our money. I have my truth, the bank has its truth. Where do we go? But the other thing is you can't be anything that you want to be, that is absolutely absurd. (laughs) You know, I mean, you can excel in certain things that God has gifted you in, And you can learn other things where you might not be naturally gifted. But this idea that you can be whatever you want to be and that you have dominion over yourself, uh, whether you want to be a man or a woman or something in between, you have that authority, that is utter nonsense. And yet our nation is believing lies, willingly believing lies. And there are certain underlying reasons for that as we rebel against God.
0: You know, as you you mentioned that, we're, we're told that it's loving to let people believe those lies. That's really the farthest thing from love, isn't it?
2: Yes, people have to understand that, of course, it's possible to tell the truth harshly. But we need to tell the truth in love. And this generation has to learn that love and truth are not opposites. Love and truth have to be held in harmony. And it is much better to tell the truth than it is to whisper lies with a sense of caring and concern. So, parents, you need to understand that. You do not, by the way, I discussed the question of whether or not we should use preferred pronouns. I say that uh, if your child, you know, was born Bert and now he wants to be called Bernice in school, well, it's okay to call him Bernice because names aren't gendered, but let's not call Bert a she or a her. That's not helpful at all. That doesn't help Bert. It goes along with a lie, and what we need to do is to gently and lovingly help people to see that we are not going to be a party to those kinds of deceptions.
1: Mm-hmm. We are talking with Dr. Erwin Lutzer today, so how do we address these topics in culture when we know that something that is being you know promoted is a lie? How do we communicate biblical truth in a culture you know that doesn't stand for the Bible that doesn't believe in absolute truth and and is our goal to be kind of winsome, or do we just need to i guess say it like it is?
2: Well, that's a very good question. I think that we have to be both winsome and say it the way it is. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. What I think you're saying, and I would totally agree, we should not be judgmental. We should always, when we talk about sin, include ourselves in this, because if there's anything that people get turned off about, it is judgmentalism. On the other hand... We cannot simply pretend that some things are true when, in point of fact, you and I know that they aren't. And if you're in a work situation, the best way to do this is to do it individually. If you do it in a group or you come across, you know, to the whole group, the whole group is going to, in solidarity, stand against you. Sometimes that may be absolutely necessary. But whenever possible, If you're trying to deal with an issue, it's much better to do it one-on-one so that there can be a discussion of the issues so that you can clarify what you believe, but also at the same time to be clear. So in answer to your question, Bridget, we want to be winsome, but let's not let our winsomeness become compromising.
0: How important is the pulpit? to these issues that we're talking about, that the, that the pastor preached the truth unashamedly?
2: Well, you know, I deal with that, and uh, I believe very deeply this. We're told today, you know, you should not get involved in politics. Well, I have never endorsed a political candidate or a political party, but I think every pastor has to preach about issues which today are deemed political. I mean, abortion is political. Transgenderism is political. Issues that have to do with sexuality, all of those have been politicized. So there's no way that you can just say, you know, I'm totally insulated from anything that is seen as political. Everything today is political. And that's why... It's so important to speak to these issues, and you can do so without endorsing a candidate or a political party. But um, we're living in a day when so many things have become political. I mean, the whole issue of uh, CRT, critical race theory, is a political issue. But we have to speak to it. And in my book, I talk about why the Bible has an answer to the racial question that the world simply cannot have.
1: You talk also about great a great global reset. What do you mean by this?
2: I read Carl uh, Schwab's book entitled The Great COVID Reset. And what he says is that COVID has given us an opportunity to bring uh, financial equilibrium to the whole world and by that you know he is the founder of course of the world economic forum and by that if we have some kind of a world bank the world bank would be able to distribute wealth in a way that would be consistent with equity well once that begins to happen you know that all of our freedoms are gone you know that our financial freedom is gone And there is a great push in the world toward globalism, a borderless world is what it's called, where anybody can live wherever they want to live. There are no borders, because after all, and after all, America does owe others in a Marxist world. America is rich, which means that it got its wealth on the backs of the poor, so the whole thing has to be given some equilibrium. So that's the great reset. It will end up with uh, cashless society, and uh, it will end up, of course, with great economic control. I relate it to Revelation chapter thirteen
0: So what is the hope for my family or for my community or for our nation Where do we place our hope
2: <laughs> you know. Uh, You've asked uh, about three questions in a row there. (laughs) (laughs) I try. (laughs) Yeah, you try. You do very well. Uh, The hope for your family is you Hmm. instructing your children, helping them to understand the culture, helping them to understand that historically the church has always been an island of righteousness in a sea of paganism. The church has always faced persecution, marginalization, There have been instances where children have been taken away from their Christian parents. All that has happened. So we have to help our children to recognize that the culture out there, uh, you know, is not always gonna be in our favor. The other thing is, regarding education, I don't see how parents can send their children to a public school. Some public schools may still be good, but the ones here in Illinois, in the book I discuss the curriculum that is used here, totally pornographic. I could go on and discuss some things that I would prefer not to over the radio and um, so forth. So that's the world in which we navigate. Now, as far as the culture concerned, we might not be able to win it back. I wrote the book not so much to reclaim the culture As I did to reclaim the church, the church needs to interact with and stand against the culture to be in the world, but not of it, even if we can't change the culture, though we can certainly pray and witness and seek God on behalf of our nation, as I do and many others. But at the same time, it's the people of God that I personally want to help.
1: The book is No Reason to Hide, Standing for Christ in a Collapsing Culture. Dr. Erwin Lutzer, the author, Pastor Meredith of the Moody Church. You hear him on Running to Win each weekday, 1130 a.m., right here on 89.3. Yeah,
0: Pastor Lutzer, thank you for such a substantial resource Mm -hmm. for us that deals into issues that we're dealing with every day. Thank you so much for uh, this resource.
2: Thank you, and God bless.